This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler, the general manager here at WZIP. Today we're going to be, let me see, we're going to go abroad. Ooh, kind of. I yeah. mean, that's yeah. fair. Okay. <laughs> Heather Pollock is here. She is the study abroad coordinator here at the University of Akron. We also have a couple of students who've had the opportunity to study abroad, which is really cool. Andrew Gianni, um, somebody who you probably, hopefully have heard on WZIP before. <laughs> also, also, Nathan Simmons is here. So we're going to be talking a little bit about their experiences. They might have some tips for people who are, um, you know, other students who are thinking about doing this uh, sometime down the road. Heather, Hi. You've been in before. I have. I'm glad to be back. You Thanks were for here pre COVID. Yes. And we're still COVID. Yes. Still COVID E for sure. <laughs> um, but there are still opportunities for students to study abroad. Yeah, we're just sort of dipping our toe back in that water, Chris. And I'm, I'm super excited because, boy, it's, it's been a couple, just been a minute since we were able to send anybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be able to be back in the saddle. There's actually a couple of different um, things, at least a couple, I guess, that, mm-hmm. that fall under your umbrella. Um, and one I was just reading about, which is why I call it, is yeah. the faculty-led um, We like to program. call them FLEDs. FLEDs. It's okay. so cute. Isn't that What's cute? What's a FLED? Faculty-led. Good. Excellent. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you're on the move, so it, it kind of matches. Um, a faculty-led program is led by a faculty member, actually two faculty members, or faculty and staff, or, you know, whatever. Uh, you could lead one. Okay. Right? Hint, hint. Uh, and they usually are short-term programs. Then they take a group of students abroad, sometimes 15 10, uh, you know, you don't want to usually go with 30, but uh, something like that. Um, For instance, the Spanish department uh, always offers a program for its majors during the summer so they can do immersive language. So sometimes that's five weeks. You know, that that kind of thing is what we call a FLED. Okay. And that could be like any type of um, subject area? Yeah. Um, like I'm in the school of communication, so yeah. there's something we would we could do communication or media oriented Absolutely. somewhere else. Right. So if you wanted to, um, well, I was going to say the home of rock and roll, you could go to Cleveland, but that's not very far and it's not international. <laughs> I'd like to flee but, a little further. Yeah, flee a little further. <laughs> a big flee. Um, but yeah, so you could decide a, a place that has historical radio interests and take students there. For instance, we had a, a faculty member who was planning before COVID to... Uh, take her Shakespeare class to Canada, which isn't very far, but it is international, uh, for their Oxford Festival of Plays. And so the students would do 10 plays as a part of their summer course and uh, do other sightseeing and other Stratford-y things in Canada. Wow. And do we, have we had a lot of um, fleds from this university? Yeah. Um, actually, it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a little gem that people don't know so much about. Um, in fact, for 2020, we had 15 FLEDs planned. Uh, 14 of them were canceled because, of course, they they typically are spring break or summer. So, uh, you know, from March on, they were mm-hmm. done. <laughs> and spring break, now that's only a week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is there, I mean, do students get academic credit for this? Or is yeah. it something... Uh, some do and some don't. Most most of them do. What we, The model we like is what we call an embedded course, and that means it's part of your class uh, to go. I'll give you a quick example. I led one for two years, and Juan Contreras, also from, from this neighborhood here, mm-hmm. uh, led, led the same one in an intervening year to Guatemala. So there's a class. It was through the Honors College. We did a fall semester 15-week class that culminated in a week during the winter break. Uh, and so you could do the same thing in spring and use spring break for that week. 
but you've got my like the wheels are turning mm-hmm. inside here. Come see me. <laughs> now, how do, how does the funding work? I mean, just everybody just pays for the cost of the trip, basically. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, it depends. Sometimes they can be sponsored by a department. Sometimes uh, a department uh, collaborates with an organization that is looking for volunteers uh, or looking for students who are working on research. And so some of the costs are, are met that way. Uh, but it's sort of, you know, you skin the cat differently each time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's come back. I want to I hear sure. your thoughts, too, on... Um, you know, the benefits of studying abroad. We've mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit before, but let's remind <laughs> people about that. Um, Andrew Gianni. Hello. You're here. How are you? You're back. Yes. You're here anyway. <laughs> um, Andrew, by the way, is uh, part of the music programming team. I think you do entertainment stuff, too, at WCP. Correct, yes. So he's one of the ones. Um, now, if you don't like our music, <laughs> don't blame him, but... <laughs> He is one of the people who who selects the music and makes playlists and all that kind of stuff at WZIP. So, but um, you do other things too, and one of them you you studied abroad. I don't think I don't did I know that? I'm not sure you knew, knew about it. I I try to limit how much I talk about it because I don't want people to get annoyed being like you know that kid who's talking about it constantly. <laughs> so it was that big of a deal and that great of an experience where you want to talk about it constantly. It sounds like yes, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, not to be dramatic, but it did it did changed my life. It was it was okay. the time of my life. Um, I spent three months in London in uh, the fall 2019 semester with London South Bank University. Wow. So how, now, and this was now this we were talking about the faculty led programs. This is a more traditional um, yeah. semester abroad, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the group that I was in, it was yeah, I was the only student from the University of Akron. I was the only student um, from Ohio in my entire study abroad group. So I got to go on this 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 third-party program to study abroad in London, but I was surrounded by other people from different parts of the United States that I still keep contact with today. Wow. Now, what what led you to this? Like, what, when, when did you say, you know, I, I think I want to study abroad? Um, it was kind of, a, it was at a, a time in my um, my college career. It was in my second semester of my, um, no, it was, sorry, it was my first semester of my um, freshman year here. So I was still new to campus around Akron, and I was just looking for different ways to kind of get involved and just make the most out of my college career here at the University of Akron. Um, and I've, I have family in London. I've been there before, um, and I, I love it there so much. So I reached out to, um, to Heather to, to ask her just, hey, what are my possibilities with this? And surely enough, she got it done because <laughs> she always will. She'll always make it work if she can. Thanks. So uh, describe for people. I mean, the study abroad is not, I mean, yes, it's fun, and there are probably like vacation aspects, but you're not literally just on vacation for <laughs> a semester. I mean, there, you're doing a lot of work too, probably. Yes, that is correct. Um, so yeah, I still had to take classes while I was over there. So that was still a, a massive part of my um, experience there. I actually, I took a few ones that worked toward credits, like toward my major here, my, my, uh, my marketing major here at the University of Akron, like uh, intro to marketing um, and brand management, ones like that I took abroad in London. But since I was at this new school in a completely different place geographically, I also took advantage of some classes that they might not offer here at the University of Akron, uh, like fashion promotion in context, fashion promotion in practice, where I got to build marketing campaigns for real fashion brands across the seas in the wow. UK. Um, so yeah, classes were a massive part of my everyday life there, but that didn't stop me from being able to be a tourist around London and the rest of sure. Europe. Now, this particular university, how did you find that to be different than what you're used to here at Akron? Yeah, university in, in the UK is worlds different than um, here in the US. The, the courses that we would have, um, they typically were six-hour daily classes um, that we had to we had like a single break for in the middle of, but... You mean six hours like... 
Yeah, six, yeah. Like so noon to six. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah, my classes typically went. Yeah, they they noon to six. That was typically how long they went for um, every day. Uh, my fashion promotion classes specifically. Um, so yeah, that's one aspect that they're different. Um, and another aspect is that there's a lot more personal relationships between the students and the professors there. Um, I called I called one of my professors a professor to their face once, and they were obviously caught off. Like they were very noticeably caught off guard by like how I grab their attention like that sorry um most people just call each other by their first names there so there's a lot there's a lot less of a barrier between you and the the professor or as they would just say by their first name that this shows how non-worldly i am but i'm thinking going to a university in london i'm picturing something extremely formal you know (laughs) like i would have guessed the opposite that you would have never called a professor by a first name yeah i don't know why i would think it's different there than somewhere else but no but i was too but yeah it was it was quite the opposite and my my professor actually made the comment a few times that the 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 typical the best students in all the classes are typically the the international students because they just they treat their professors in their classes which with a much higher respect and keep it a lot more formal than the other um students who are born there do can you describe a little bit about what student life was like I mean, outside of the courses, I mean, the, you know, we have, what, like 300 and some student organizations on this campus and, you know, lots of other things going on. I wonder what kinds of things were going on where you were. Yeah, so, the, yeah, there, there, wasn't, there wasn't a football team that the entire university was centered around. But <laughs> other than that, other than the athletic aspect, a lot of, they had a lot of different organizations that you had the opportunity to be a part of. Um, one of my roommates was on the rugby club. Uh, they don't have actual athletics, but they do have, they have athletic clubs that are very big there. Um, yeah, for student life, in terms of things that are actually different, one of the first things that I saw there that just shocked me, and today, at this point, it still shocks me, is in their student union, they have a pub on campus, and that's where all the students gather. They gather, they'll have, they'll have a drink or two, and then they'll go to their next class that they have in the day, which that completely caught me off guard, but it was just another part of student life there. Now, see, that was actually a little yeah. bit of a part of student life. For us. <laughs> when I was a student really? here, <laughs> yeah. there was a place, and Heather might remember if you were around. The rats go. Um, we had the, in the student union, uh, it was called the Chuckery. All right, yeah. And it was kind of a, um, I don't know, sort of like a small-scale food court type setup, much like we have now, really, except in one of the areas you could buy beer. Wow. Yeah. And I went to Kent State. We called it the Rats Keller. It was okay. a bar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't ever remember. I don't ever, and I wasn't there a lot. Um, in that part of the union, but I, I never saw and I don't remember hearing about it ever being particularly rowdy or getting out of control. It oh. just, you know, but I think what happened is when the drinking age went yeah. to where you, because at that time you could be 19. Oh. And so, I mean, now if it's 21, you know, theoretically we're talking approximately 75% of our students are not old enough to drink anyway. So probably not a good idea to be serving beer at the union. <laughs> but, yeah, so that, I, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, these days, we don't think about that stuff so much. It was otherworldly to kind of see that and just see all the students in there just, just enjoying a pint just, and then went on with their normal days. That was very, that was very average there. Hmm. <clears throat> what were you most surprised about other than that and, and calling professors you know, by the right names or whatever? Um, yeah, I would say it would, it would go back to the kind of the, the students, the way – that they viewed and the way they treated their their academics and their courses as a very, very second priority thing to whatever else they were a part of. Uh, that that shocked me a lot. Just being able to see that that difference in uh, priorities that mm-hmm. we have between the students here and there. Um, and, and we think of you know London. We think of England and maybe a lack of language barrier. But was there kind of a language barrier? Yeah, I I would say there there was a few different points where I I. I, well, actually, many, many different points where I um, 
just completely just nodded and continued to have a conversation with a with, with a British person who had a ridiculously thick accent. Um, and similar to similar to the U.S., the U.K., they also have different accents based on what part you're from. So uh-huh. someone from Manchester would have a completely different um, accent than someone from London. So I kept on having to retrain myself depending on who I was talking to from that area. So yeah, there wasn't there wasn't your and typical. And that guy is right barrier. now somewhere saying, "Remember that kid from that? What was that place? Ohio?" <laughs> and he had a ridiculously thick accent. No, exactly. <laughs> they're, they're definitely thinking the same thing. Um, but yeah, so that was very surprising to me. Uh, another thing that another thing that I found shocking once I got to the UK was just how available travel was. Um, even yeah, internationally from country to country, you could get a train ticket from London to Paris for seventy US dollars, which mm. just that seemed completely out of. Like, I, I never thought I'd be able to travel that much whenever I got there. Right. But even within London barriers, no one has a car. Everyone takes the public transportation because they have a massive public transportation system. Uh-huh. So that was also, that was hugely surprising and like a really great benefit of being there. Did you have an opportunity to do any travel elsewhere in Europe or elsewhere just in Great Britain? Yeah, so I got to go to um, Wales, France, Ireland, and Hungary. Uh, I went to yeah, Budapest in Hungary. Um, it yeah, different points of my three-month experience there. Okay. They were all amazing. Very good. Very good. Nathan, where where did you go and when? Hmm. Okay, so um, during the spring 2021 semester, I studied in Seoul, South Korea. 2020. 2020. Wow, time flies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I actually studied during the midst of COVID. So, um, all the COVID hadn't started here. The It had started over there, so... Uh, my entire experience was, you know, wearing a mask and whatnot, sure. but, you know, it was it was pretty comfortable. Um, so my experience is definitely quite a bit different than Andrew's is, you For know, sure. language barrier, extreme geographic and how did you get difference. Past that? Do you have to have, you know, a certain amount of knowledge of a language before you can do something like this? So I was part. Of, I was one of the um, students that went on to uh, one of the partner schools that we have. And for the partner schools, you will take classes at the university that are taught English. So for me, all of my classes were taught English. All the students that were in my class were, you know, learning in English, whether they were Korean or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had international students and Korean students in my classes that were being taught in English. What made you want to do it? Wow. I woke up one day and I said, I've lived in Akron my entire life. How can I diversify my experiences um, and that is, that is really how it started. Um, and I also work on campus in the IT department, and I happened to see a ticket for Heather. <laughs> she needed help with her MacBook. And while I was there, we, you know, we were just talking, and afterwards I decided to you know, check out the website, and then I got in contact with Heather, and you know, it was easy as that. She got... So you're going to bust another computer to get recruit more <laughs> I'm students? I'm going to bust or? two. <laughs> <laughs> What are some of your biggest takeaways from from the whole thing? Uh, it was extremely different for me. I mean, I had never left the country, and you know, I, on a on a whim, I decided to travel somewhere that I only knew how to say around three sentences when I first got there. So it was a constant learning experience for me. I was learning new culture, new language, new food. So every day, even if I wasn't in class, I'm still learning something at all times. Mm-hmm. So it was fun to be surrounded by people from you know all over the world in different countries, but also you know, being downtown in Seoul, which is a mega city, it was so much fun just to constantly be seeing and learning about new things. Um, what about the social aspect, too, for you? Uh, so my, I, I think even though I, since I was there in COVID, things might be a little bit different. That's true, yeah. But, 
you know, after I'd say probably about the first few weeks, people started to get used to everything going on and normality returned. Um, I feel like it, oddly enough, usually like uh, in, in Korea, it's more of a culture thing, but usually like the, the word friend means somebody who's the same age as you in Korea. Okay. So it was very interesting for me to see is like, there's definitely an age hierarchy. So, you know, there's terms that you call somebody who's older than you or somebody who's younger than you. And it was very interesting to see socially, you know, I have many friends who are older than, older than me and younger than me here, but mm -hmm. it was seen as a little bit different there. So that was very interesting for me to learn. Do you think, you know, based on your experience, do you think there are things that, that um, maybe particularly people your age, but really anybody um, might think, might assume about that part of the world or that country where you're like, oh, no, I've, I've been there. That's totally not the way it is. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that Seoul is a mega city. You know, it is, it's comparable to New York City on the size of scale and pop, or, uh, population. So, I mean, I had a few, you know, of my relatives ask me, oh, so, like, how was the city like? Did they have public transit? You know, was, was it easy to, you know, get food and whatnot? And I was like, I think you are downplaying this city quite a bit. Uh, it has, you know, one of the best public transit systems in the world, extremely cheap and readily available at all given times. So it was, it was very easy for me to get used to living there. Um, and although there was a slight language barrier, people were extremely helpful and, you know, were willing to help me if I was having an issue understanding something. I found an, on a trip to Greece that um, it seemed like everybody I ran into knew at least enough English as it pertained to their job. Mm -hmm. So if I went to the store, if I, if I went to the grocery store and said, I'm looking for a blue shirt, they would stare at me probably. But if I went to a clothing store, they knew exactly what I meant by blue shirt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it kind of went full circle like that, I think. Um, is I, I've heard that with a lot of other countries, maybe not so much here. I don't think we put as much emphasis on a second language in the United States. We just expect everybody to do it yeah. our way. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it seems like other countries are a little bit more, a little more flexible with that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, for sure. With me, um, the school I went to, Kyunghee University, is it's about in the middle of Seoul, and there's two other large universities nearby. So there's a lot of international students that come to these schools, and one of those schools primarily attracts um, international students. Mm -hmm. So most of the stores nearby are used to speaking to many, you know, Japanese, Chinese, and English-speaking students. So even if they couldn't speak well, they would have menus ready, especially at restaurants. You could ask for a menu in your language, and they'd more than likely have it. Um, I also learned the power of pointing at things <laughs> and just saying, can I have this? And, you know, that was relatively easy. A lot of places have, like, a wall-mounted, like, menus and just point at this. Uh -huh. One, please. So it's very, you know, it's definitely, I, I could see why a lot of people think, oh, it would be so difficult to do. But, you know, if you get in a taxi and just say where you want to go, it's pretty easy. Were you happy to come home? Uh, I was happy, but at the same time, like, it was... I'm from Akron, and I love Akron. I love, you know, Northeast Ohio, but it was so fun to be, you know. Yeah, nothing wrong with Akron. Right, to, nice you to know, see other things, too. To get out of, you know, my comfort zone. And that was, like, it was a really empowering thing for me because I learned that I really love traveling, and I think it, like, kind of changed the trajectory of my life because I want to go travel, you know, immediately. So That's what I'm wondering if you uh, You said you're working in IT here at the university. Um, first of all, is that your career path? Well, so I graduate in about 10 days. Okay. So, yeah, I've been working at the university since I was a freshman. I started working in IT, and then I began working full-time at the beginning of the year. Um, but, yeah, so I'm studying cybersecurity. So, okay. 
not entirely sure what you know my next step is, yeah. but we'll see. But that's there. common. That's really common. Yeah, People right. Really right. Graduate. It gets kind of scary, and you start to question, why did I do this, and what am I going to do next? And well, yeah, one door kind of opens up to like a million of them, so yeah. you have to find which path, you know. Do you see yourself maybe working, living in another country? Or yeah, I mean, I would. Around here? I um, I see the appeal in both. You know, for generations, my family's been in this area, so I definitely, it, you know, it's hard for me to leave them, but there's also like a like a, a constant desire to go see and, you know, uh, try new mm -hmm. things. Andrew, you said you are a marketing major? Yes, that's right. And you were mentioning something about a, a fashion marketing class. Is that what you want to do, is fashion marketing, or is that you just happen to fall into that at that university? That's the dream job, yeah. Someday I'll, someday I'll end up working in fashion marketing, I hope to. Okay, and how much time do you have left here? Uh, I'm graduating next spring, so okay. I have one more semester after this one. Okay. So if anybody's listening, <laughs> hire two us. people who are, are and will be looking for a job, you yes. know, relatively soon. Um, you know, Heather, when when you talk to students um, who are considering study abroad programs, what are some of their concerns? There's probably a lot of questions. There are, yeah. Language, I think, is one of the first ones, and I and and like we were just saying, I put that to rest pretty early, because as you said, Americans pretty much only speak one language, so our partner schools and the third-party uh, affiliates make sure that the classes can be available in English. Otherwise, we really wouldn't be able to do it. Um, that said, though, I, I believe so much of culture is transmitted through language, and even the little mishaps are, are the things that you remember and, and the things that help you learn another culture. So I, I encourage our students to try to do a little, even if it's just Duolingo or a, you know, a class at the Y where you learn a little Korean or something before you go or mm -hmm. while you're there. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, but I encourage it. Yeah. And, well, it sounds like, too, you're, you're, you're going to places where there is a great deal of, of cultural diversity. Mm. You know, you're not, you're not sending students to, you know, a university that's in, you know, a tent in the tundra or something. Right, I mean, right. <laughs> Yes. So it's it's all, it's all very civilized. <laughs> <laughs> what are other what are other concerns? Is it just language, um, or do people are people afraid of safety and stuff like that? Um, occasionally, I've had that question, but I think now that's mostly a COVID safety question, mm -hmm. right? Before that, really not so much. Um, I think the other concerns, <clears throat> excuse me, are whether their classes will transfer, and the answer is yes. Everything that you take while you're abroad will come back and you get credit for it on your transcript. What we want to do, however, is make sure that it transfers meaningfully toward your program, toward your graduation. So we have a way of doing that, but I think people are afraid, you know, what if I'm, what do I take and how do I do that and will it work? And Although so. I've known a couple of students at least um, who did this knowing that it might end up delaying their graduation by a semester. Yeah. Um, and they're like, so who cares? Thank you. you Good. Know, it's, I mean, yes. it's because it's such an education in itself mm -hmm. um, that, you know, when you're, you know, 20 or 21 years old yeah. and you're in a room with somebody, let's just say I'm far above that, <laughs> you know, you take advantage of that when you can, really, right. because at this point in life, sometimes it's a little bit harder to do things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I've, I am known to say, and I'll bleep myself, nobody gives a bleep if you graduate <laughs> when you're 23 or 22, yeah. right? Even, even though we think that's important at this age, it... You know, if well, you, and if to have done what it, Andrew just described as literally a life-changing experience. Yeah, so, right. I mean, and you don't get that. Like when you're our age and you're out and you got a mortgage and you get two weeks off a year. Right. Right? So when you can go somewhere for four months and pay for that the way a student affords things, it, it is a life-changing opportunity. It's, it's a little bit off, but I, there's another student I'm aware of who's going to go to the Disney College mm -hmm. um, next semester. Cool. And, and knows that as a result, they're not going to graduate. Right at the time they would have. It can be delayed by one semester. Worth but it. Her thought is, 
so what? Yeah. Because she's looking for something pretty amazing, and, and hopefully she gets something amazing out of it. Yeah. You know, but it's it's one of those things where we, I think, we do this a lot with, you know, public schools. Mm. And we do it at a university level to a point, too, where, you know, we try to cram things into the same size, same shape box. And sometimes that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, depending on the individual. Right. So, you know, like, like Nathan and Andrew, I think your education has been enhanced in a way that somebody like me can't really fully understand because I, I didn't do that. You know, I just didn't do it. If I is it ask, super oh. expensive? No. Because um, that's probably something that students, via their parents, <laughs> yeah. are probably asking. <laughs> sure. Like, oh, I don't have $10,000 or whatever. Right. Well, let me let me answer backwards only just to say the other thing I tell people when they, they say, you know, I might have to be delayed in graduating is, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, what if I have to take out a student loan? I don't have a student loan out right now and I'd rather not. I, Chris, I have known students who've taken out a student loan to get a Jeep, which is the yeah. height of ridiculousness <laughs> if you ask me, Right. So if there is a valid reason to get a little bit of debt, study abroad is, is absolutely at the top of that list in my, in my mind. Mm -hmm. But to, to answer the first part of that now, um, our exchange partners are, we have 17 partners in 11 different countries that are, I guess I would call it sister schools. Nathan went to one of those. And what that means is we have an agreement that they will, their students can come here and our students can go there and each of those students pays home tuition. Okay. So if you already have a full-ride scholarship or a partial scholarship, if you have UA monies, those count because you're paying the same bill that you always paid. Mm -hmm. So that takes mm -hmm. a huge bit off. All you're responsible for is your airfare and your, and your room and board. Mm -hmm. um, if we don't have a place that you want to go in those 11 countries, then we move to those third-party affiliates like Andrew went with. And so the program is um, not just a one-to-one -one school situation, but you have a, a group that builds in education, sometimes it includes excursions, sometimes it includes internships, and so the program's a little broader, and of course that does cost a little bit more. Um, I can, you know, Andrew can tell you if, if you're interested how much you expected to pay and if that worked for you or whatever, but they're not exorbitant, and there's always financial aid and scholarships. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it sounds like it's worth oh, yeah. at least finding out. Yes, you know, I mean, and if money truly is something that stands in the way, well, then, you know, maybe this isn't the time for it, but... Yeah. Um, you don't know until you, I guess, get that information. I think that's right. So what do you think people are really most surprised about with the whole thing? That they can do it. Okay. I, I think that's the thing. People, I think, have this idea that study abroad is something from, like, made for television. And, and, you know, they come in and they say, can I do this? And I say, yes. And they look at me like I'm kidding. And I say, no, it's all yes, which is why it's actually harder to figure out. Because if it's no, or if I say you can go to a blue school or a red school, you know, mm -hmm. like, Matrix, not politics. Um, <laughs> you know, then then that would be way easier. But but because it's yes, the options are limitless, and I think people just don't even they just don't think that'll happen. Um, so getting the word out is actually great because it's totally doable. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea how many approximately how many students outside of COVID, yeah, you know, would normally be participating from our <sighs> university? That's a tough one. So um, during the Previous couple of administrations ago, when a lot of things were cut, study abroad really went down. Uh, it was being rebuilt uh, by two generations by the time I hopped on. So in 2018, um, the person before me had sent five students for that semester. The, the semester I hopped on, I had I doubled that to 10, which are these are actually very low numbers if you compare them to you know other Ohio schools but we've been building each semester. So it's hard for me to gauge mm -hmm. because two years in, COVID ate everything. Right. But um, we, you know, uh, as many as we can get, we'll, we'll send them. And do you have anything to do then with, with when you said there were um, 17 schools in 11 different countries, mm -hmm. 
are there a lot of students coming here from those? Yes, schools? and that's not my end. That's the other uh, the other seven members of the International Center. They deal with the incoming. Mm -hmm. uh, I just deal with the outgoing. Okay. When I had this as an idea, it, you know, it was just an idea. But going and talking to Heather about it, you know, you're speaking your idea into existence. So, you know, don't be afraid to speak your idea into existence and actually see what next steps could be done and, you know, how realistic it is for you on, you know, current financial plan. You know, and that reminds me because, you know, Andrew said you had relatives in London, you'd been to London. So that was, you know, kind of a, I don't know if it was an easy choice, but it was one that made a lot of sense to you, at least. Yes, yeah. Um, I'd say I'd say it was a pretty, I had a lot of different options, um, but knowing that I've been to London, I feel comfortable there already, and I wanted to go and explore it even more than I already have. Um, mm -hmm. that, I would say it's an easy choice in that way. So how, Nathan, how did you end up in... Um, Korea. Korea. I mean, was that you went in the door saying this is where I want to go or you looked at the options and something stood out about that? Uh, I went in with the idea of I want to go try living in a big city. I was okay. like, what is like the cheapest and most realistic way I can live, you know, try living in a big city, you know, leave Akron for a little bit, you know, obviously come back. But <laughs> um, I looked through the schools and yeah, the, the it's a very prestigious school, Kyungyang University is, and it's located in Seoul, which is a beautiful city. So you know, it was like a perfect match made. It was very easy to, you know, make that choice. Okay. Heather, for people who want more information, if they're yeah. attending this university, maybe a prospective student who's going to come here and wants to sort of build this into their plan as they're coming mm -hmm. in as a freshman, what do they do? Uh, they can find us at www.uacron.edu slash study abroad. It's pretty easy. Even if you just Google search UA Study Abroad, it'll, well, UAkron Study Abroad, it'll come up. Um, and there's a, a, an easy button there for making an appointment to book with me. And, you know, we've got it all spelled out. But like, like Nathan says, I think actually talking about it, like how you said, speaking it into existence makes, makes a lot of difference. Uh, you know, and things on paper or on your screen seem a little distant until you talk with someone about it. Could I add something really quickly? Absolutely. Chris? Thanks. So you mentioned a little bit ago. I'm I'm going to embarrass these men here for a minute. Okay. Cool. You mentioned a little bit ago <laughs> that their educations have clearly been changed by this experience. But I also can attest to uh, emotionally, you're you're different men. Um, you came to me as a freshman, right? I had to get an, I had to get one of your references from way back. From yeah, high school. From yeah. high school, right? And and Nathan, you were you were very shy and and more quiet and. Both of you, first of all, they, they were both very organized. They were on top of the game. They did everything they had to do. They asked all the right questions. Not everybody's like that. We still work it, but you guys were exemplary. But you, you came back, and um, you're so different in such a great way. You know what I mean? I, I feel like uh, the kind of time you were away is exponential. It would take other people who, who have stayed where they are or stayed in their own culture maybe three or four years to make the leaps you made in a semester each. And, and, and I think it's wonderful. Did your families or friends say something like that too? Did they notice a difference after you came home? Uh, especially for me, um, the, the first thing that people definitely noticed is I oddly had a bit of a, the way I spoke, not like in the actual way I sounded, but I had a lot of mm-hmm and pauses that kind of fit the Korean style more. Okay. So not only did I adapt the flow of how they spoke, but everybody said like, you know, I've always been somebody I think that people can communicate well with, but after having to almost, you know, speak sign language for a few weeks and then speak, you know, the most elementary level of Korean ever, 
Um, I've always had, you know, people tell me that I f they, they can tell, like, talk to me about anything and mm -hmm. I, I'll be able to understand, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it did, yeah. I have been told by family and friends that I have changed a little bit to be a little bit more just kind of um, upfront with what I want to do. Um, just a little bit more adventurous and outgoing with that stuff just because before this happened, I didn't think a lot of the stuff that I did was possible in that way. And now it's just, this travel is possible. I'm able, I'm able to do this and that um, from a new perspective that I didn't have before, before I studied abroad. You both seem much more confident. Not that you were not confident before, but there's a different confidence about you, which is really exciting. Well, that's, yeah, that's another thing is that we were, we did, we were forced to be independent for, for, yeah, you for much longer than I was. Um, but yeah, being on our own without family or friends for that long, well, we had friends there, we made friends, but making those new friends and having no family there, that really did push us to be more independent a lot quicker, I would say. Yeah, and I, I would completely agree with that. Um, for example, I had to go to a dentist office because one of my wisdom teeth were hurting. I was thinking, I was like, I don't know any medical words. And luckily, medical words are usually universal depending on your language. It was very easy for me. But, you know, something like that, I, I was so used to going to the dentist's office with my mom, like things like yeah. that. And now it's like, that would hey, be kind I guess, of scary. I guess, I'm, I guess I'm planning my first ever surgery alone. <laughs> <laughs> Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP FM.